Hi, my name's Jack. I made this podcast to share knowledge from amazing people in order to speed up the learning curve of financial literacy. During this podcast, I'll be interviewing successful people about money, business and life to help young Australians become more financially literate so that they can make better personal finance and business decisions. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. I hope you enjoy this episode. Still running, I'm not funning like I've been here before. Still running, I'm not funning. I can't take anymore. I'm faded. So today on the podcast, I've got Glenn, the co-founder of Fox and Hair Financial Advice. How are you going, Glenn? Good, Jack. How you doing, man? Yeah, good. Thanks. How's your day been? Hectic as usual, but productive, so can't complain. Nice. How good's that? Yeah. Pretty good. Excited <laughs> for the weekend? Yes, I'm doing nothing. So <laughs> we just bought a place last week that we've moved into. It's still a bit of a mess. So just sorting through boxes and trying to make it look a little bit presentable and just chilling. <laughs> Sounds good. So what do you do? So I run a financial advice firm in Darlinghurst, Sydney. The team's based everywhere, but essentially we work with our members to ensure that they're making the smartest financial decisions possible sooner rather than later. Cool. And what impact do you want to have on the world? So for our members, they're aligning their financial worlds to their goals. So they actually understand how to use their financial world to drive towards those goals. But also from a broader perspective, finance and money touches everything. So we are a certified B Corp. So we're also very passionate about ensuring that our members understand what types of companies they're invested in. They're thinking about their money behavior and how that impacts the planet and people. So for us, it sounds a bit corny, but to leave the world in a better place, but ensure that people are actually having a life that's fulfilling and not held back by their financial position. Yeah, cool. So you guys like to sort of focus on ESG products or like products sort of like ethical products as well? Yeah, so we do a lot of work in the ethics space. The ethics is a very broad term. So for some of our members, they won't invest in companies that have anything to do with animal cruelty. Some of our members won't invest in any companies that have no females on the board of directors. So really focused on that gender equality piece. Some of our members won't invest in companies that have any human rights and supply chain issues. So, And the climate crisis naturally comes up a lot as well. So I don't think people realise the power that they have to create true change just through the decisions they make around the companies they invest in, the companies that they buy from, but also just where their super sits. Yeah, for sure. Like those guys and girls, they won't have money to invest in whatever project if no one's sort of buying stakes in the funds or the ETF. Exactly right. So we have a huge opportunity to really change what the future looks like by making changes around how we manage and spend and invest our money. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. What do you want to be known for personally or through your business? Purpose. So purpose is a word that comes up a lot when I think about my personal journey. So I was at a large bank before co-founding Fox & Hair about five years ago. And the purpose behind the business is to ensure that our members are living a fulfilled life and have that sense of financial freedom, financial security, but also purpose-led business. So we are focused on not only economic outcomes, but ensuring that we focused on improving the society that we work within, the community that we work within, the planet that we all live on. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's amazing that sort of money and being aware of it and then also sort of the impact that you can have on people's life. Yeah, it's just crazy. Huge. So why are you passionate about helping others be better with money? 
Selfishly, it makes me feel good. I love to see our members achieve what they've set out to achieve. So we work with a much younger demographic than your traditional advice firm. So our youngest member is 23, I believe she is. I think she just turned 23. Our older members are probably in their kind of mid 40s, but we work with a demographic that has the opportunity to really create change. So the biggest asset that our members have on their side is time. Some of the decisions that you make in your 20s and 30s have huge compounding impact on what that end result looks like. So, yeah, that'd be the key driver for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And I like how you guys service younger people. I was lucky enough to have a financial advisor when I was about 20 years old. So it was crazy to have that level of support and mentorship and coaching at a young age. And I feel like it set me up so much since that. And the more companies that do that for younger people is so good. Like, Yeah. In Australia, the average age of an advised client, according to a company by the name of Advisor Ratings, is 58. So, <laughs> statistic- so like statistically, years years yeah, get- that's exactly right. So most people statistically don't reach out to see a financial advisor until they're about five to 10 years from retirement. When they get to a point where they're like, oh, shit, I'd really love to retire. Can I? And then they go show an advisor, a super fund that have never looked at for 40 years and say, hey, this is what I've got. Can I retire? And then often the lead up question is, if I do retire, what's that going to look like? And, you know, the conversations we have with our members, yeah, we look at superannuation, but how are you going to buy your first house? How are you going to generate an investment, passive income? How are you going to start a family? Be able to start your own business if that's something you want to do or shift careers or do more volunteer work. A lot of our members aren't motivated by money, but they're motivated by what it can afford them, that sense of freedom, flexibility, and choice. Yeah, awesome. Outcomes do you sort of achieve for these clients? I guess you touched on it already, but it'd be interesting. Yeah, good question. So, I mean, the outcomes vary on a case-by-case basis. So whether it be enabling them to purchase a home, have that sense of security, take parental leave, start a family, put them in a position where if they wanted to, they could send their kids to private school without feeling like they're going to go bankrupt. A lot of what we see is people managing their money to one side and then their goals are on the other. And there's not a lot of conversation or correlation between the two in terms of how the money side of things is actually going to enable them to achieve their goals. So that is a big piece of work that we do. You know, some people reach out to us that have accumulated quite a bit of credit card debt or personal debt, and they're working out, well, how do they drive forward? How do they move past this position? And that kind of work can be really, really fulfilling. Seeing someone pay off all of their debt and then start driving towards that property that they thought they'd never be able to achieve is so rewarding. But how people see value in the engagement is really different. So obviously, there's a financial element. So making sure that they are making smart financial decisions from an investment perspective or a super perspective, looking at how they can manage and minimize their tax. There's also a sense of accountability, making sure that they were going to do and understanding the implications of some of the decisions they're making in the short term and how that impacts their medium and longer term as well. So it's incredibly fulfilling work. It's not always the easiest, but it is amazing for us able to achieve their goals, but also have a really positive impact on our community and the planet is win-win. Sounds awesome. So what type of clients are they? Are you generally looking for a certain age group or they business owners? Yeah. So most of our MEPs, so the main characteristic above above all else, well, there's, there's probably two. So the first is values alignment. Again, we're focused on creating an economic outcome, but not to the harm of others. Beyond that, it's also really working with those that are in that 
what I will term the accumulation phase. So the broad advice industry very much focus on pre and post retirees. So most people, as I mentioned, they reach out to an advisor and say, hey, I'd really love to retire. Can I retire? That is what the vast majority of the financial advice industry does. We do not work with pre and post retirees. That's purely based on the fact that there's plenty of amazing advisors that work in that space already. We are only working with those in that phase of building wealth. Potentially, you started your first job and your income's starting to go up. You're earning good income, but you're like, oh, I'm not sure where it's all going. I thought I'd be in a better financial position than I am given the income that I'm on, or I've accumulated some debt and I feel like I'm a bit on the hamster wheel and I can't get off it, or I've saved money and it's just sitting in a bank account and I don't know what the right thing to do or what the right next steps are. And that's a real one, option fatigue. So we get a lot of people that listen to podcasts or read books, go to an online finance webinar, and it can be overwhelming. And obviously, the advice that's provided is general in nature. It's like, oh, you should think about this. You should think about that. At the time, it makes sense. But then to actually act on that is the challenge. And that's, again, a key differentiator between, I suppose, us and what we would term general advice. We provide personal advice. We go through a number of workshops and exercises to ascertain what is it that the member want to achieve. And then we provide specific advice around how that enables them to get there. So specifically invest in these shares, you know, move from your super fund to this super fund, invest in this portfolio, set up your banking structure in this manner. So it is really, really tailored, but always in line with obviously the members' goals and objectives. Yeah, cool. And yeah, there is not a lot of people servicing like a younger demographic, I don't feel like in Australia. No. No one's really targeting their marketing towards them as well. Yeah, I don't, a lot of people don't even know what financial advisors do. So, and like for the business too, because I guess people are targeting people with money already. But as a selfish business owner perspective, you could take on this is that you're going to accumulate more returns for your business because you're going to be working with those clients for 30, 40 years as opposed to just working with them for like five to 10 or whatever. Yeah. It's not an important thing, but it's just like one of the fact that it's a benefit to both sides, I guess, of working with that client for a long yeah. period of time. Totally. And the way that we structure our programs, so we have a monthly subscription. If the member's not seeing value, they cancel. So the objective is really, well, the onus rather, is on Fox and Hare to consistently show value in order to justify that fee. And, and I mean, Jack, like the reality is, given the demographic we work with, 95% of people that reach out to us have never seen a financial advisor before. No idea what a financial advisor does, doesn't know if now is the right time to see an advisor, not sure if they're going to get value from the engagement. So what we try to do is through our social media presence, through our branding, through our voice, through our website, is try to break down this notion that you need to be old and rich. And, you know, with this underlying message, the sooner you kind of proactive with regards to your finances, the far better off, again, you're going to be in the medium long term. And it can be overwhelming, right? Like we have people reach out to us with very different degrees of financial literacy. And that's okay. One of our internal mantras is empowering our members through education. Again, money touches everything. Some people aren't motivated by money, but it is an enabler to ensure that you live the most fulfilled life in how you want to. Yeah, awesome. And yeah, you guys are definitely doing a really good job of yeah talking to that ideal client, especially on the marketing messaging that I've seen on um, Instagram. Thanks, man. Given your line of work, I appreciate that. (laughs) I wouldn't even say I'm a marketer, but I'm I'm just trying to learn it for myself. I guess mine is just like 
but yeah, ideal client persona thing, talking to them or yeah, writing your copy around them, yeah, is really good because you know a lot of people are really great at that. So yeah, good job. Yeah. Thank you. Um, how important is understanding money? I think financial literacy is important because again, it impacts everybody. I'm also very cognizant of the fact that some people are just really uninterested in it. So I think about myself. I did accounting at uni, right? I don't have a creative bone in my body. And when we work marketing campaigns or our creatives, like I engage experts to help guide the conversation. I definitely, like many out there, believe that there should be more financial literacy taught at schools. Like, how does your tax get calculated? What is superannuation? Why should I care about it? What is a share? Like, and how do I invest in a company? How do I buy a house? Like, and what are the costs associated with that? It's all of these, I suppose, financial decisions that people make. People are making them to the best of their ability, acknowledging that, again, they may not be with all the tools to make the best decision. So financial literacy is incredibly important. And that's not just get rich quick, but that's to enable you to do, you know, be able to to start a family, travel if that's what's important to you, have that sense of security, which regardless of how much you earn or what position you're in, financial security is incredibly important. Yeah, I guess what I thought about when you were talking then, I don't really like managing my own money either and I don't get excited about it. I like everything being autopilot in the background, doing everything. And I like helping others, finding ways to make better, help others with their money or their business or whatever it is. Yeah. But earlier you lock it down, the less you have to think about it. So for someone that doesn't actually want to engage with money or learn about it, the best thing to do is actually lock it down really quickly and then automate it, set it up, and then move on. I think the earlier you do that, the less you actually have to think about it because it's just doing it. And, totally. and that's like the craziest thing. Like, Yeah. And it's interesting you say that. I wrote an article quite some time ago now, and it was entitled The Greater Degree of Discipline, Structure, and Control You Have Over Your Financial World. This is inevitably going to lead to greater freedom, flexibility, and choice. If we understand what's happening under the hood from a financial perspective, we understand what impact this is going to have on our ability to take six months off to travel Europe, our ability to change careers and potentially be on a lower income for a period, understand, you know, the households are going to be okay and we're going to be able to pay the rent and the mortgage. We're able to take some time off to do some volunteer work. It's obviously case by case, but having structure and control and being on top of your being proactive when it comes to your finances is the enabler to give you that sense of financial independence and freedom, which is so incredibly important. Mm. And yeah, removing that pressure, it makes you feel good. I think people would think that maybe people like us who are interested in finance sit at home counting money or looking at things <laughs> in ways to make money. But I feel like I do it from a place of hate of being locked down by money. So I'm like, I just want to work this out so I can stop thinking about it. And <laughs> yeah, totally. I totally. think that's what I learned from such a young age because I was just so frustrated by it, even at like 18. And that's what made, drew me on this sort of journey because I just wanted to remove that pressure that was there. And yeah. So. That's awesome, man. And the more people that kind of take, I don't know if this is the right phrase, but kind of take their head out of the sand and go, all right, don't love this stuff, but I know... I need to do something about it, 
that's going to give them that sense of comfort that they desire, right? And there's a huge, there's a lot of research out there that talks to the correlation between someone's financial well-being and the impact that that has on both their physical and mental well-being as well and vice versa. So that's certainly a topic for another day, but financial well-being is a topic that's coming up more and more in conversations because of how it impacts our, our life in general. Yeah, I think the last podcast or one of them I released was about corporate well-being packages about financial coaching and yeah the guests talked about that a lot and it's crazy i was just going to say we do a lot of that as well because we we get asked from organizations to come in to talk to their team because they're paying their team an income or a salary but then i suppose the next assistance is okay well cool what do they then do with that salary yeah awesome so who do you look up to in regards to business money life like who are some of the people that you've sort of learned past or This is probably a little bit of a left of field, but more so an organization than an individual. But you may have heard of the B Corp movement, so the B Corp certification. So what this movement is about is ensuring an economic outcome. So these are companies that are certified, are for-profit businesses. They do so every single decision they make, take ensuring that people, the planet and the community are taken into account. That is incredibly important, right? So if I think about the climate crisis, when I was at a rally probably about, what, five, six years ago, and I was in the domain in Sydney, and there was about 80,000 people there. And there was 80,000 people at this climate crisis rally. And I kind of took a step back and thought, well, how many people at this rally invested in companies that don't align to their values. So I'm really passionate about the B Corp movement. It's a movement that talks to the power that business has to really be a force for good. As Fox and Hair being a B Corp, we sit alongside companies like Patagonia. Who gives a crap? What else is there? Ethical Australian ethical super, Bank Australia. So huge names that for-profit businesses that also ensuring that they're leaving the world in a better place. Yeah, that's cool. Like I invest in ethical funds, but the only time I've ever heard of B Corp, this tradie company that my mate was working for in Darlinghurst. Yeah, right. I just thought that might have been like a trade-specific thing, but it's interesting that, yeah, like I didn't know about it before. That's yeah, really so it was born out of the U.S., There's over 6,000 B Corp certified companies globally. There's about 520 in Australia and New Zealand, but growing rapidly. And it's industry agnostic. So we're a financial advice firm. You could be a tradie. There's hair salon, creative agency, architect. That's irrelevant. But it's about ensuring that, again, you're making economic decisions, not only with profit in mind. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. I'm definitely going to have to have a look. Yeah. Please do. <laughs> yeah. So personally, how has being financially literate like empowered you and given you some choice in life? So it's interesting. Everyone's relationship with money is very different, right? So often it's a product of our upbringing. Often it's a product of our friends and who we kind of hang out with. And for me, being financially literate has, I guess, enabled me to understand the importance of money, not from a sense of just being wealthy, but from a sense of having that sense of security and also being able to do the things in life 
that I want to achieve, whether that be travel, uh, whether that be, you know, like I said, my partner and I just bought our first home together last week that's settled. So having that sense of financial literacy has enabled me to do that. And what we're trying to do is improve, obviously, not only just our members' financial literacy, but again, through our socials and our blogs, the broader Australian population's financial literacy, because people want to start a family and people want to buy a house and people want to travel and things like that. And it is finance that's going to enable them to do that. Acknowledging that it just may not be their jam, right? Like I said, I'm not creative. I outsourced. I sought help because I needed guidance around that. So for those putting their finances on the back burner, at one point, it's going to catch up with you. And whether we like it or not, money or finance, what's going to enable you to achieve what it is that you want to achieve. So I know it can be overwhelming. It can be really boring for a lot of people, but but it is important. Mm, yeah, for sure. I agree with everything you just said. So if you could have a sign on the Harbour Bridge for one month, what would you tell people to do? Mm, so I'd keep the sign really brief. And I'd have two words. I'd have good, wealthy. Because <laughs> I believe that the two often don't go, people don't put them in kind of hand to hand. Wealthy, I'm using that in a bit of a cheeky term because wealthy is very different for different people. Like we have members that want to retire at 40. They're going to buy a boat and they're going to, one's a sailor and they just want to have a very simple life and sail around the world. For others, wealthy is the big house, the big cars. For others, wealthy is just ensuring that they can continue to pay the mortgage and go out for dinner every so often. Wealthy is a very broad term, but also factoring in good. Again, I'm always going to align our money with purpose, whether that be our purchasing power, our buying behavior, what we invest in, particularly the members that we work with, we have such an amazing opportunity to not only change their lives and enable them to achieve their goals, but also change the future of the planet and the community and society more broadly. Something I'm very passionate about within the financial services industry is we often get painted with, you know, not the most, the nicest brush, and there's reasons to justify that. But also there's a huge opportunity for us to be able to change the future. As corny as that may sound, what we invest in and the companies we choose to partner with will dictate what the next 10, 20, 30, 50 years looks like. Yeah, I don't think it's corny at all because good people with money can and time can do really good things. Like it's going to be better for society. 100%. 100%. I don't think it's calling it's so important and like it's just good that more people I guess becoming aware and yeah realizing they can unlock their time and then go do things that are really like impactful so yeah, yeah cool. so what projects are you most excited about yeah within the business this year so most of it is we're really re-engineering our ongoing engagement proposition so we're con we and we just hosted a focus group probably about three months ago now with a group of 10 of our members so the project that i'm most interested in now is taking that feedback digesting it dissecting it and now implementing some of those changes from an ongoing engagement perspective which is really really cool big piece of work there's many different layers to that but that's certainly the piece that i'm most excited about yeah, great. Collecting feedback is always important, but if you're, doing it, if you're able to get it and big amount, then you'll be able to make such great change for your business and also for your clients and members too. Yeah, 100%. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I really enjoyed speaking to you. Thanks, Jack. Really appreciate it, man. I'll see you later. See ya. Bye. 
This podcast was brought to you by the Creative Business Club. And yet, I know what you're thinking, it is a bad business name. The Creative Business Club takes the digital pressures away from businesses. They can build your website for you, stack your website with video and written content, and then give you ideas on how to start generating leads. They can even integrate your business into a CRM and automate a lot of processes to save your business time and resources. The Creative Business Club has a pay it forward attitude. That means they talk to people and give away helpful information in order to watch people grow and achieve their goals faster. If you need to talk about building or growing a business, find them on Google or using the links below. Thanks for listening to the episode. Hit subscribe so you get notified when next week's episode is available.